Steve wanted me to, to just to remind you guys, check your email. He sent out an email a couple days ago, or and um, they're taking a few weeks off. Uh, they've had a crazy busy season and taking, uh, trying to get a break um, from all things vintage. So he's, his, and, and you'll see in the email that he sent to, to most of you guys, if you didn't get the email, um, see Brad. Brad's standing here in the back. He will um, get your email address and make sure that you get that. But they're taking a few weeks off and just trying to unplug. And so if you have, you know, something going on, um, don't, don't text or email them. You can, you know, reach out to me or April either way, email or text or call us. And, um, we're just trying to give them a little bit of break, um, in this upcoming season, um, and unplug a little bit. So we're going to continue this morning and sorry, I'm starting to lose my voice a little bit because I'm on the back end of a cold and my voice doesn't want to hold up, but, um, we're going to continue, uh, the, the latter part of James, we've been going through the book of James this fall, and many of you are in small groups and are, have been studying, you know, different pieces of James. So we've got this week and one more week, we're going to wrap up James. But if you have your Bibles, if you want to turn with me to, um, to James chapter five, um, the passage that we're covering this morning is verses seven through twelve. And so I'm going to begin by reading this passage to us, but I'm just going to read through eleven. Um, so follow along with me. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains. You too be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Do not grumble against each other, brothers, or or you will be judged. The judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider them blessed, those who were persevered. You have heard of Job's perseverance and and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. As we look at this, this reality of what we're getting into in the book of James, James is very clear and starts with, in the very first chapter, the first, first few verses, he, you know, he says, consider it pure joy when you endure hardships, trials of any kind, because God is doing a work there, right? That you might, you might be able to, to grow, to be complete and mature and not lack anything, right? And so right out of the bat, like James is setting the precedent of what his letter is going to be about. And it is about encouraging and leading you and I, fellow Christians, brothers, as he refers to in this book, the audience of brothers that he is mentioning to a place of maturity, and to growth. And so if you've been with us through the study, then that's clearly been a focus. And so part of what we're going to look at this morning in order to really understand the context of what he's addressing in this be patient piece is I'm going to kind of look at some of what is being the context of chapter four leading into chapter five that you can get the clear gist of of one of the ways that you can imagine and understand the depth of what James is addressing here. Okay. So in the verses that I'm going to kind of skim over and go over in chapter four, listen through the lens of James being harsh and and direct about about where people are fixed on. Or, as I like to try to kind of say, there's an axis in their life that is fixed on self. Because what he is encouraging and what he is suggesting and when you hear him mention brothers, then he is and he is speaking to and giving further instruction to to, to you and I, where we're learning to be able to live with the axis or the, the center, the grounding place of, of life being fixed on the Lord, right? And 
Sometimes it's hard. You know, sometimes it'll make you cry. Sometimes trials are, are difficult, you know, and it's just not what we want to hear. And that's life. Right. But that's what we get when we, in, we invite family to be family and, and kids to be in a service is that, you know, sometimes we all feel just like she did. Trials and hardships are difficult. And that's what we want to do. We want to look at it and say the circumstance of this moment is not comfortable. And so we fuss. And that is the reality of what James is trying to, if you read, if you hear from this lens, trying to have us see. And then he gives two different audiences that he's speaking to when we get into chapter five. So from the lens of imagining, you know, a life centered and fixed around the axis of self or a life centered and fixed around the Lord is Lord. Right. Chapter four, verse one. What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from the desires that battle within you? You want something and you don't get it. You kill, you covet, and you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives. That you may spend what you get on your pleasures. Self-focus, right? Moving further down, Kind of skipping the next little middle phrase, you know, you adulterous people, you know, skipping down to to verse seven. Here we have James. And I like to kind of imagine this next little passage as like a recipe, like James is giving very specific instruction to people of what to do. Right. So imagine the ingredients that I'm going to cover and I put them in bold text in this in this thing, like the, the things that he's instructing us to do. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil. And he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will he will come near to you. Wash your hands. Purify your hearts. You double minded. Grieve, mourn and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Right. So if we're doing a cakewalk and we've got a a table of cakes out in the lobby this morning and the ingredients to this cake that was just described are submit yourself, resist the devil, come near to God, wash your hands, purify your hearts, grieve, mourn, wail and change your laughter to mourning. Who's putting a bid on that cake? Like that's the black licorice cake. Like who wants to buy a black licorice cake? Like who is is signing up to say that's the cake that I want when the cake that's sitting next to it is the ooey gooey lava chocolate cake. Right. Of you get to indulge yourself in all this ooey gooey chocolate goodness. Compared to those two cakes, which one do you want? But James is saying, brothers, in this Christian camp. This is the opportunity that you have submit yourselves before the Lord. Turn the things that you don't want for yourself into the things that you choose to desire and choose to practice for yourself, because there is a good thing that comes from that. Right. Because the Lord then will lift you up. But who's signing up to to put bids on the the black licorice, you know, turn your laughter into morning cake. Right. And so part of this is that we have to recognize is that this is a very different plan and a very um, countercultural perspective that James is saying should be the ideal thing that we're looking to get out of this life. And we're looking to pursue in life because it's not what we would normally choose. Skipping down to verse 13, he says, now, listen, you who say today or tomorrow, 
we will go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on business and make money. Why, you don't even know what what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. And it, uh, um, as, as it is, you boast and brag. All such boasting is evil. Anyone then who knows what good he ought to do and does not do it, that's a sin, right? And so, you know, we get fixed on ourselves and we get fixed on our way of life and we kind of move on. And then we start to see the two characters that I mentioned a moment ago. We have this character of a person in this case, you know, he's warning these rich oppressors. So he's he's referring to these people as rich. But really the summary statement, this is the passage that that Steve preached from last week. The really summary statement that identifies the person is in verse five. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. Self is the focus. And then finally, we get to the passage that we're on where he shifts from speaking to those who are living in self-indulgence to those who are brothers. Be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. How many of you find yourselves living life each day focusing on waiting on the Lord and what the Lord is wants to do both in your life or in his coming. You know, I think a lot of us and a lot of us get our, get ourselves fo- focused on and we find ourselves being able to identify clearly with, you know, the perspective of the, the self-indulgent, the, the self-focused. And the reason you don't get what you want is because you're fixed on self. Like, can anybody in in the building or in the Western culture maybe identify with who James is speaking to here? Because if you can't, then I can. I mean, it's very clear. And there's an invitation to maturity. There's an invitation to life that we're that we're looking at in this text. And so how many of you have seen um, or, you know, maybe watched the entire all the episodes of of Downton Abbey? Right. Um, Downton Abbey kind of clear picture. I expected more hands than that. Seriously, we don't have any like Downton Abbey fans or at least most of you understand the context of kind of a lordship like the Crawley family live in this you know, castle of a mansion in, in England, and, and he's a lord. Lord Crawley is oversees this huge estate, and of course he's under the authority of the queen. But then in the house, in, in Lord Crawley's house, there is the, the chief butler, right? And his name is Mr. Carson, right? And so if you understand, if you've seen the show or at least familiar with the show, then, then Mr. Carson is, is the, the chief servant, and he has a whole crew and whole employed staff that serve under him in the house. They cook, they clean, there's a, there's a footman, there's a butler, there, there are all these different people, and Mr. Carson oversees all these servants, and he's the chief servant, right? So imagine Mr. Crawley, the lord of the house, coming to Mr. Carson and saying, um, Mr. Crawley, I'm ready for my tea and I'm in the study. And Mr. Carson's response back was, well, Mr. Crawley, I'm, I'm just made a sandwich for myself and I'm going to finish my sandwich first. And then, you know, I've been reading this this article that's been a series in the paper. And so I was going to finish that series in the paper. And I have a list of things that I need to go into town to purchase because we need some more wax for shoes and and polish for this and that. And so um This is the agenda that I have. Like, can you imagine what Mr. What Lord Crawley's perspective of Mr. Carson in that moment would be like that? The Lord of the house is speaking to the servant in the house and the 
the servant of the house is saying, well, giving the dictation of what the day is going to bring. And the thing that the Lord of the house is asking for is just a mute point. Because we see, in order to understand the invitation that we're invited to live in, we have to step out of our own personal Western culture that is a democratic society, that is a democratic culture, that is a very self-indulged culture, that really how you feel and what you think and, and what your perspective on, a, on an issue is, is really important because you get a say in, in how that thing goes, that you get a vote, that you, your perspective is just as equal as everybody else's perspective. Like, that's not at all a kingdom culture. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I think the whole democratic process is a good thing. It, you know, it provides freedom and we won't get into politics. But I'm, I'm just saying that that is extremely countercultural to script to teachings in Scripture. And so we have to begin imagining what it would be like to live under an authority of a Lord under the authority of the Lord in order to then be able to wrestle with and have a challenge within ourselves of how to live with the Lord being Lord over our lives. Like Jesus was not just our savior. He was not just our savior so that one day we can go from down here to up there. He is our savior and our Lord or he is not our savior. And so, friends, we have to wrestle with the reality of what we can imagine from a culture that is focused on a kingdom because our culture does not in any way imagine or submit itself to that type of thinking. And if we're going to be able to apply the truths of Scripture, then we have to submit ourselves to a radically different mindset than what you and I have grown up knowing. Because our mindset is very much an individual, independent, everybody gets a say, democratic perspective. You follow me? And in doing so, then we have James saying, be patient then, brothers, until the Lord's coming. Because just as the farmer waits for the land uh, to yield its valuable crop, so we should be patient, waiting for this positive thing that we've been putting effort into to come and bring about, right? That there should be a, an anticipation, an excitement. Because, you know, imagine, you know, you're a kid ready for Christmas. Like I went to, Rebecca and I were down in Atlanta this week. Um, we had some appointments down there and we needed to waste some time. We walked through the mall and all the folks in Starbucks already dressed like elves. And I was like, wow. Christmas is here. Holy mackerel. Right. It feels like November just happened and already people that everything's Christmas. Right. I won't get into my opinion on that. You might guess it. Um, but my opinion doesn't matter. Whatever the Lord thinks is right. What the Lord. So sorry, I ramble. Um, but here we are. And everybody's excited about Christmas. So if I if I were to say to one of my sons, you know, there is this opportunity coming on Sunday morning. There is a gift that I've been preparing for you all your life. And it is wrapped and I'm putting it on the tree. I can't wait for Sunday morning to happen because you're going to get to unwrap this present and you're going to get to unpack this thing that you're excited about. Like, kids, can I get an amen? Like, is there some healthy anticipation that you're looking for, like ready and excited for Christmas morning to be able to open presents? How much more so should we, those sons and daughters of the king, have a, an excitement and anticipation from a God who is only good to bring about something good when he returns. 
And yet I think because we find ourselves so distracted in our I'm trying to I'm not I'm using culture. I'm beating up on culture this morning, but we find ourselves so distracted by culture and the business of culture. We find ourselves not being patient and even much less being patient on watching for the kingdom of God. And for the king to return. And so I want to leave you with with a moment of pause just to think about when's the last time that I. I really had an anticipation and excitement about waiting for God to do something. According to James, that ought to be the perspective we're living by. Not just something you hear about in the sermon. You see, if we're going to be able to to take steps toward maturity, we have to be able to embrace this understanding of of what God is calling us to. Again, I think the lordship perspective and the and the mentality of living in a lordship system is incredibly healthy to be able to understand the context of the scripture. But we also have to begin recognizing how contrary and how different that is to how you and I think. Right. So. Here's an announcement moment that. My family and I, this started about a year ago. Um, I have a, uh, we, we moved here from Jacksonville, Florida, and um, a number of our friends that were a part of the church that we were a part of, um, after we left, or sometime, you know, a year after we left, they transitioned and went to a different church. And the, the pastor that I know that, that planted that church um, has stepped out of pastoring that role. And in stepping out, he asked my friends, do you think Crawford would be, that's how he referred to me, Crawford would be interested in this position. And so I prayed about it and I talked to Steve about it. And so this this past year, we sat down in January and began this this um, this search committee process as they're looking for a new pastor. And so we began praying about, you know, is this something, God, you're calling us to? And Steve and I, Steve's been a part of the whole conversation. And and what we kind of what I kind of came to realize is that there's a this is a new season. There's something God's doing. Like, I'm not looking for something, but through the process of interviewing for this for this job, there's something that God's doing that he's calling us to something different. Like that I sense that my season at Vintage is is drawing to a close. So went through this whole long search process. I won't get into details of that and was a finalist for the job. And they kind of make a half offer and don't make offer. You won't know details about that. I'll tell you. But finally, in in September, um, when things just wouldn't kind of get clear, I just said, "Okay, I'm turning the page on this. If y'all come back to me and offer this, actually make a full, a clear offer, then I'll pray about it again. But at this point. I'm moving forward. And so through this whole season, we've been a family and I've been praying about about Jacksonville and God has stirred something in our hearts of, about Jacksonville and this community in Jacksonville we've been praying for. And so so what we're looking to do, I'm going to be stepping off staff at the end of the calendar year. And I believe that God has something in store for us and what lies ahead but as I tried to explain this to my dad, I was like, Dad, you know, look, this is like a lamp into my feet and a light into my path moment. The Lord's not showing me what nine steps down this pathway look like. Like I have enough light that I'm holding before me to take a step. And I don't know what the next step is. And like, here's the reality. Like God is only good. Now, let me let you think about that. Because we don't know anybody else that that's true about. And so it is not natural for us to consider that God is only good. God is only holy and he's only good. So whatever God is doing, it is a good thing. There is never a thing that God is doing that is not a good thing. There may be a way in which we perceive a thing that God is doing that may not be good. But that means we're in the wrong, not God. 
because he's only doing good. So if God is calling us, the Crawfords, to something different and he's only giving us enough light to potentially see what step one is, then that's a good thing. And so I find myself asking God, why do we only get to see one step? Because I'd really like to know what the next nine steps are, because then it really gives a lot of invitation for me to share the vision of what we're doing and what we're about. But the Lord's clearly showing right now that I'm only giving you one step. And so when I essentially got assigned this text, I'm like, oh, can can I understand? Can I relate to this text? Be patient and wait for the Lord, that the Lord is doing a good work and there's something that he is bringing about and you wait for it. And so be patient and persevere because the Lord is good and he is he is compassionate and he has mercy. And the Lord has this incredible thing in store for us. So I'm driving down Cedar Crest Road last week. And chewing on chewing, you know, on the song and realizing some anxiety I have. I don't know if you would have anxiety if you were in my shoes that, you know, at the beginning of the year, you I'm, I'm choosing to or agreed and choosing to step out of vintage and and pursue this thing that I don't clearly have all the details about. And and here I am trusting the Lord. And Matthew says that six says, you know, don't worry about what you're going to eat. Don't worry about the clothes you're going to wear. The Lord knows that those are things that you need and he's going to provide and that that's how the pagans live. And I have to wrestle with that. If I'm going to live under the lordship of Jesus Christ and he's Lord and and I am a servant in his kingdom, then then I'm not asking, you know, whether or not it's okay if you have your tea right now. I'm just like, how do you do you want it hot or cold? Right. Like, that's my role. I get to just ask hot or cold and I get to be honored to bring the Lord of creation, whatever he's asking for in my life. And that's the context, friends, that we've got to be able to understand that that ability to be a servant in that household has been purchased at this incredible price. And that's the life that we get to step into, that you and I no longer are invited to be the center of our own life where our opinion matters. And as long as you live with your opinion and my opinion being the center of my own life, then we find ourselves confused and frustrated. And just as scripture says, the enemy just continues to steal, kill and destroy. But when we choose to submit ourselves to this lordship, then we find a life that says, I don't have to know what step two is. But, you know, step one would be good right now. But, you know, just show me hot or cold. What do you want? Because I trust you. You know where we're going. You know where you want your tea. I'm just here to. To give my life to you as an offering. And if you understand that the Lord is good, then then I've got a couple things that that I just things I, I crafted this morning. A couple statements I wrote down that we're going to put on the screen. And after we get a, these, these on the screen, I want to invite you to have a pull your phone out and take a moment picture and uh, and chew on this week. The first statement is the anticipation of the good that is coming is a trumping reality that we must learn to live by. Friends, this life is not about this life. It's not about this life. What does he say? What is your life? You are a mist that appears and a little while it vanishes. My life is but a mist. What the Lord has for me in 2020 is but is but an image that he has in store I get to live my life as a servant and I'm honored to live my life to serve the king as he gives me direction. 
I don't my opinion of what I think about it is not something I care to hear. I care to hear anymore. My opinion on the moment just creates a tension and anxiety for me. And so here I am driving up Cedar Crest Road and this angst, you know, within me. Well, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. I don't know how I'm going to feed my starving, hungry boys that can eat nine hundred dollars worth of groceries a month. Right. I don't know how that's going to happen. But the Lord says that's how the pagans think. Don't you know that I've got that covered? If the Lord is only good and he says, I have something for you. Why in the world is there an angst within me about it? Because if I said to Andrew, Andrew, I've been preparing you all your life been preparing a gift for you all your life. And it's wrapped in under the tree. And I can't wait for you to unwrap it because it's going to be so good. I can't wait to see the expression on your face because I prepared this thing for you. Do you think my son who imagines me possibly as a loving father would have an anxiety that that's going to be a bad thing? And we have to wrestle with that. I'm pleading with you from my heart to get on this journey that I'm on to recognize that the Lord is the Lord and he's only good. Who are we to question that? And who are we to say it's not time for you to have tea? And if our father in heaven is only good, thank you for being silent in this moment. Oh, because you being quiet in this moment showed me that angst that's still in me. And if you'd shown me the 19 steps and give me the full vision, that angst wouldn't be revealed. You're so good. Thank you for being silent and teaching me to be patient and watching you. Thank you for teaching me that you're only good. And what do I have to be concerned with? Friends, Christians should be the most optimistic people on the planet. If the Lord is only good and whatever he's doing, no matter what circumstance, no matter what trial, no matter what thing is taking place, there is a good thing that the Lord can bring about through that thing. I'm not saying every circumstance is a good thing. I'm saying in the midst of every circumstance, the Lord can be doing a good thing because that's all he does. He can't do not a good thing. He can't be doing something other than good because it would defile his nature. He is only doing a good thing. Are we living our life under his lordship to be able to discover and live in that reality? We should be the most optimistic people on the planet because we can find the good and find the Lord in anything that's happening and be a light to the world. Set on a hill for the world to be able to look at and see. The third statement I want you to hear is. We must learn to live our lives centered around the character and goodness of God, not on the circumstances of the world. Where self stays the axis, we miss Christ and what he died on the cross for us to have in this life. I want to shift now and I'll give you two questions. Again, it's another picture taking moment. What needs to change? Is you reading it? What needs to change so that my life is centered around being lordship focused instead of self focused? This is your prayer before to the Lord. 
What needs to change? So that my life is centered around being lordship focused rather than self-focused. Because, friends, the culture that we come from, and not just the culture, the sin nature that we were born into, says self is the king. And the invitation into real life is to, is to get off the front throne and invite him to, to be Lord, where everything in our life, opinions included, perspective of an issue included, everything, like that means everything, like everything in my life gets to be submitted to his lordship. And from that place, there is a peace that surpasses understanding and a life that is abundant. The second question that I have for you. Father, Lord, are you enjoying this? Now, what I mean by that is my challenge to you this morning is this is the challenge that I've had for myself that I've been living in is Lord. Not do I enjoy this moment, not do I enjoy this season, not do I know what the answers to the questions are because I've got a hundred questions. But Lord, are you enjoying this moment? Like because for you to enjoy the moment is all that matters. Do you want your tea hot or cold? Like, I'm just here for you to enjoy the living of my life and for it to be an offering to you. Because that's where I get to come alive. That's where I get to have all that you died for on the cross be evident and reality in my life. That my character gets transformed because your character is so good. Like, am I living my life? And my challenge to you is that you ask yourself, asking the Lord, a hundred times this week, Lord, are you enjoying this moment? Are you enjoying my mindset? Are you enjoying the perspective that I have? Are you enjoying the, pin, the opinion that I have? Are you enjoying the thing that I want? Is this something that is enjoyable to you? Or am I living my life to just continue the way that I've always done? Like this is a game changing moment to live with this being the carrot before you. Say, Lord, I want to live that my life is a joy to you. And I discovered this reality as I was in Jacksonville back in September. I was staying at a, the house of a friend and I rolled over. You know, how you roll over in the middle of the night and you're awake for 30 seconds. Right. And I rolled over. And in that 30 seconds, it was like a profound moment in my life. Right. I have all these questions and I'm looking for the Lord to give me direction and and answer a bunch of things as I'm expecting him to do. And thankfully, he's being he's being patient with me and silent in this moment because that's a beautiful thing. But I'm rolling over and I'm at peace. He's given me a supernatural peace in this moment when I would have a thousand questions then I'm at peace that he knows what he's doing. And that was I'm not saying that was completely new, but that was a new moment in a different way. And as I rolled over. I got the sense that the Lord was smiling, that I was at peace in a moment when any other time in my life, I would be very anxious, wanting to know details and wanting to know the plans and wanting to know what the steps are. And in turn, I had this overwhelming joy because he was taking joy by me finding peace in this moment. Does that make sense? Like, God, what are you enjoying? Are you enjoying my my perspective of things? Are you enjoying what I'm doing right now? Are you in a hundred times a day? I challenge you with everything within me, please, from a. From the heart of a pastor who wants something good for you. I challenge you a hundred times this week. Ask the Lord that question. Set an alarm on your clock. Wake up early. Do it a hundred times this week. I challenge you with everything in me. Whatever relationship you have with me, I leverage it in the moment. I challenge you a hundred times this week. Ask that of the Lord and try to come back here different next week. You will find life.
and everything can begin to shift. This is a recalibrating of our compass to life because the Lord came that we could have life and have it abundant. And it's found in him being the axis. It's found in him being the center. And what James is speaking to, he says, I want to be able to call you brothers, but I can't while you're self-indulgent. So mature. Use these things that God wants to use as an opportunity to grow, to become mature and complete and not lacking anything. But it requires something on our part. Are we going to submit ourselves to what the Lord has? Are we going to come near to God? Are we going to wash our hands and purify our hearts? Find that we've been living double-minded. Are we going to grieve and mourn and wail and change our laughter to mourning? If that's the cake that the Lord is inviting us to bake. And take delight in every moment of stirring those ingredients together and baking them in the, the oven of our lives. What's your motivation for living? Are you living patiently and watching what the Lord wants to do with your life. Because where you're not, friends, then I love you too much to say, you're. if not, you're missing it. Will you pray with me? Thank you, Lord, that it is absolutely your good plan to lead us to a life that is filled with joy, abounding joy, By bringing you joy. Thank you that you have so much more in store for those that you call by name. Those who are are brothers and sisters in your kingdom. You have so much more in store for us than what the world could ever offer. But Lord, we, we need your courage. We need your help. Thank you for sending us your spirit to to supernaturally empower us to live the life that you're calling us to. You didn't leave us as orphans and abandon us and just ask us to to figure it out on our own. Lord, we have to we have to dive into being countercultural people that are looking at the reality of what you're teaching in Scripture and live our lives to just be obedient to the things that you teach us. And Lord, I just pray right now that, that you would come as you as you've been Coming in my own life, and I'm sure there are a number of different ways that you want to continue to come in this way. But I just invite you to come into this building and into this room and into the minds and the hearts of these people. To do a good thing and convict. Because you're only loving. And you're so wise. So Lord, let us submit ourselves to you this morning. And would you convict us where we're living our lives opposed to the reality of you as Lord. And would you lead us into the way of life? Lead us into not having to know all the details and all the moments and expose those things within us that that thinks we need them, Lord, just to, to be able to lay down at your feet as an offering. Thank you for the gifts that you have wrapped up. And though they're promised, Lord, they're a bit hidden. Because you know just the right moment and just the right time to reveal what you have prepared. This morning, 
just invite you as Toby sings to uh, to take a few moments and reflect. There's a there'll be a team of people on my right and left that are here to pray with you if you desire to to, to receive prayer. There's there's offering baskets on my right and left, and that's how we take offering adventures. There's also a little box on the back wall if you choose to do that. But this morning we're going to do something a little bit different. There's communion up here in front of the, the stage. And, and communion of interest is always an open thing that you're welcome to come and receive. And this morning, I'm just praying a, a, a blessing over this, that I'm choosing you to refrain from partaking in communion where you feel like you're not able to give of yourself to this reality for the Lord to be the axis that life is centered around because there's something that you're holding on to or something that's got to hold on to you. But where you are, where you know that you're ready to take that stand and join with Christ in a life that is all about just being obedient to the Father and having everything shift and everything focus and everything turn around the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life, then communion is open to you this morning. Just this morning. Next week it'll be open to everybody always as, as we always do. But this morning there's a, there's a special blessing that I'm praying over this, these crackers and this juice that you're choosing to say, I want to step into no longer being the center, no longer being about me, but Lord, in a new way, in a new path, in a, in a new life, Lord, I want this to be centered and focused on you, that I want to learn to live with that question, is this enjoyable to you? And from that heart, then come openly and receive the good things that God has in store for you. When you're ready, you're dismissed. I'm not going to come back up. Toby's going to continue to lead us. But I do encourage you to take a few moments to reflect. Thank you for being here. And thank you for, for listening to this. And thank you for partaking with us in the goodness and in the nature of what God has in store for us all. Because he has a great present wrapped up waiting for you that he's been preparing all your life to present to you. Are you living with a healthy anticipation and excitement to step into what God has?